Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Tales from the Trail podcast. Tony Pasella, head coach of the men's soccer team at Sawana University in Tennessee, is my guest. Tony is in his 10th year as head coach, and we talk about his perspective on recruiting and playing college soccer. Thank you for sharing and subscribing to the podcast and helping it grow. Please keep sending questions and comments. I enjoy the feedback and always get your questions answered by my guests. Don't forget to check out Match Play on social media as well. So you're just talking about a kid that you were helping out kind of locally in his college search? Yeah, Yeah. so I worked with this high school this spring, and they have a player in the team that's, in my opinion, a college, you know, level soccer player. And, you know, he's from, you know, He's a foreign kid, international kid with not a lot of experience and understanding of the, the college recruitment process. So I told him, you know, we'd sit down and kind of figure out what he wants from an academic standpoint, geographic, financial, uh, academic, and then, you know, go from there. So it was a lot, but I think we've, we we casted a big net, reached out to about 500 colleges and whittled it down, you know, from interest from their part interest from his you know whether or not you know they even responded or interest all that stuff so he's uh he's well on his way i think he's like about down to 75 colleges as it is and Mm -hmm. starting to look at you know visits camps you know so on and so forth so So yeah from an example standpoint so once you get it down to so you send out an initial wide net of emails and just seeing kind of what kind of interest you can drum up and then once you get it down to, I think you said 75, right? Um, mm-hmm. So like now kind of the rubber's meeting the road and where, you know, what are his criteria, determining factors, you know, what's going into his decision-making process to evaluate these schools and see who he needs to really go after out of those? Yeah, great question. And just to, I think, recycle, we'll go back a little bit, rewind. 500 is a lot of schools and yeah. I think he, and the reason why we did it is I wanted him to be like, you know, to learn. I was like, here's the deal. We'll reach out to the top of the line division one and mm-hmm. we'll go to the top line to the bottom of division, division three. And I was like, I'm a, you know, free market capitalist. <laughs> if, if we hear back from, you know, the top 10 schools in, at the division one level, then you're probably at that level then, you know, right. we only hear back from, you know, mid-major division ones and lower or, you know, the bottom of division three, well, that's probably where you're at. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm not going to tell you what level, you know, you are. We're going to let the 500 coaches that we reach out to right. kind of decide, you know, where you're at. So right. it's not perfect. You know, as you know, sometimes coaches don't even read their emails, but I think that it is a fairly indicative way to go about that process. Right. Um, so we did... Um, we looked at where he wanted to go to school and what part of the country, uh, what his major wants, um, looked at schools that offer international scholarships and financial aid because Mm -hmm. price was something that is important to him and his family. Um, you know, he's a forward. So I encouraged him to look at schools that, you know, had graduated in forwards. That was not definitely a deterrent from emailing schools, but something that when we reached out to them, we would put in the email, Oh, I saw you have a graduating senior whatever in that my position. Um, so we, we did our due diligence and 
he heard back from over 200 schools and from there kind of willing down what he wanted, you know, from that experience, so on and so forth. And 75 is still a lot. I, I told him, you know, he needs to get that down to 20 by the end of the summer and right. then, then start making visits based off of all those other things. Right. Um, so we're here today with uh, the head men's soccer coach at Suwannee University of the South. Two names. It's a little confusing for those of us who don't know what that is. So that's right. Is, is Suwannee like an old name, University of the Southfield, or is there are they kind of interchangeable? How does that work? Kind of flip flop. The, the okay. University of the South is the original name. Okay. Suwannee is the town that the University of the South is in uh-huh. because it is a mouthful. And uh, yeah. I think they, they, the nickname Suwannee has kind of taken over. And athletics, we go by Suwannee. We don't. Um, you know, our uniforms and whatnot. It's always so yeah. funny. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Tony Pachea. I say that right? Pachella. Pachella. I, I took Spanish in high school, so double L's is a lie for me. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm really happy and, and I'm thankful that you're on here today. Um, we have, uh, so you guys are a Division three school. Um, really competitive. Like, uh, you had a great record last year. I, I looked you up and uh, you guys were really competitive last year and um, you kind of recruit from all over the country, um, which is cool. So it's a, a little bit unique from dealing with uh, some state schools like here in Virginia, where I've talked to a lot of guys who you know are coaches at state schools. So that's a little limiting. Um, let's get back to this, this kid that you're helping. Um, so big email. How did you help him structure that email. This is actually really cool because we've talked about what should go in emails, but you've actually helped someone do it from the other side. So, um, you know, how did you make sure that it caught people's attention? Yeah, I think that, um, the idea of like catching attention is sometimes a little bit of a farce. I think it needs to be very simple and straightforward to the Mm -hmm. point. Um, and I'm probably going to miss something, but you know, I think every good email will have their name, their graduation year, their GPA, their ACT or SAT scores. If they have them, um, their team, they play for the position, their Jersey number, and maybe a list of upcoming events. And if you right. have a highlight video, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have your high school transcripts, you can attach those as well. Right. And then. Um, I always say two sentences, three sentences of why you are interested in the school that you're emailing. Right. Um, coaches aren't, you know, we're not stupid. When a kid, you know, sends a mass email out, yeah, that's that's completely fine because coaches also send mass recruiting emails out as well. Um, but, you know, when I send an email, I try to at least put a reason why I like the player, you know, and yeah. what, I, what I saw about him. And inversely, I think when I see a kid that says, I'm interested in Swanee because of this, that makes me much more likely to give that kid a phone call um, because right. of they've done their due diligence. So those simple things, and then add that little unique piece. I think that will make you stand out, you know, even right. though it's nothing special about that email. Right. Yeah, I got you. Um, and so that was, that was the initial one, right? Mm-hmm. And so, how did you whittle it down from like the 
people who responded, Uchi said it was like 200 and something down to 75. Was there another round of communication or, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, so like I mentioned before, we kind of casted a pretty big net of mm-hmm. what type of schools, uh, you know, big, small, medium, in cities, rural areas. Um, he was really interested in, or is really interested in being on the coast, he, you know, Florida, Texas, California were like his three main places. Yeah. And I made him reach out to schools, you know, all over the country. Mm-hmm. So from there, we kind of looked at, you know, all right, now you can be a little bit more selective because there are a dozen schools from Florida that showed interest. Right. Um, and then we looked at, you know, whether or not they were, you know, the, he wants to be a finance major, you know, and originally we used to let, you know, any school with business programs we reached out to. Then we were start looking at our finance programs. He was really, really adamant on going to a program that's been successful. So we started looking and you know, narrowing out schools that have had you know low win percentages, um, and not just over the last year, but we looked at a five-year moving average. Right. Um, and you know, so th- those things, which then did uh, whittle down uh, his number from about two hundred to seventy-five fairly quickly. Wow. Okay. So now he's getting into the summer. So what are his plans? Is he's going to hit some ID camps, I'm assuming? And Yeah, yeah. so he is international. Um, mm-hmm. So his flight back is in three weeks. So I actually sat down with him and we looked at, we found two camps that are, you know, large prospect camps um, that you know, where a number of colleges go to. And we looked at those schools that he's talking to, the ones that are most interested in. We reached out to those colleges to make sure that they are attending. Um, sometimes there's a crossover or a camp will say, these are the past coaches who've attended our camp. Um, it gotcha. gets a little bit yeah. fuzzy. So we made sure that, you know, if he's already invested money in flights and camp fees, that those were, in fact, the coaches that were going to be there. Right. And the other thing on top of that is sometimes these bigger schools will send their director of operations or – their low coach on the totem pole. And sometimes those coaches or, you know, administrators don't have any recruiting responsibilities. So right. it's a little bit of a facade. Um, so we made sure that the coaches that were going are coaches that actively recruit. And yeah. it's important, you know, I, th- I think for that. And ideally get in front of either the first assistant or the head coach is always, I think, a more valuable thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, it seems simple, but, you know, to, to write and to more importantly than writing is to do like the background and really like sit down and decide what your criteria is when you're, you know, you're venturing out and looking to take the next step. Um, so, yeah. So once he's done with ID camp, so what's the next step in the process for him? So he'll come back, you know, from uh, home, you know, towards the end of the summer, I'm guessing. And then they'll start, uh, you guys are in Tennessee. So is high school in the fall, I guess? High school is the spring, club season's in the fall. Okay. So it's like Virginia then. Okay. So he's got, will he be a senior or junior? He'll be a senior. Okay. He's 2024. So, you know, his, his job is this summer to be in contact with these schools and kind of figure out which ones he builds the closest relationship relationships with, Mm -hmm. but also what schools, you know, are still interested after watching them play at these next two ID camps and yep. kind of, you know, going from there. And then in a way I told him is I think we need to figure out, you know, 
five or, you know, so schools that you want to go to their actual ID camp. You right. know, one day is a lot of these schools offer something in, in the spring, sorry, in the winter or fall. Right. And, you know, so you can kind of piggyback a visit at camp, um, meet with the coaches and hopefully even watch a game if it's in the fall and get a really good idea of what it's all about. And so you can't do that with, you know, 45 schools. But if you can, you know, I think five to 10, 10 is pretty high, but I think five is a good number. Mm -hmm. And from there, you know, hopefully you can figure out which is the best fit for you. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to have to check back with you and see how this kid's doing. So Yeah, we'll see. I think he's in a good spot right now, um, but being international, the fact that he's going away and he's not visiting schools this summer will make it a little bit more difficult for him. And, you know, the whole international piece also is interesting, but that's for another day. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, so let's talk about recruiting to a, to a school like Sewanee. I mean, um, what are what are the challenges? You know, what type of kid are you typically is coming to you? And you know, just talk about I don't know a day in the recruiting life for you. And um, you know, obviously our audience is kids and their families, so kind of you know look at it through that lens as well. Absolutely. About, yeah. So if you look at my roster, mm-hmm. you know. 95% of my team comes from the Southeast, mm-hmm. Texas through Kentucky up to Virginia and down to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, we have a few outliers. We have a boy from uh, Oregon, kid coming from Colorado, Chicago. Um, you know, so we do have guys that are outliers in that sense. But, you know, Swanee has the largest pool, you know, and name recognition in the Southeast. And that's where we get the best bang for our buck from a you know recruiting standpoint. Right. We don't have an endless budget, endless budget, so we have to, you know, go where people know our name. And yeah. you know, we carry a lot more weight in Birmingham than we do in, you know, Seattle. And that's just the way it works. Um, but from a soccer player specifically, you know, we have eleven incoming freshmen. Eight wow. of them played in the ECNL. Mm-hmm. Um one and two played MLS next and one played on his state league team. So um, it is very heavily in the, you know, the ECNL, which is, and, and, you know, MLS next, but mainly ECNL. And that's where we do a lot of the events, you know, kind of, it correlates directly with probably with as much money we spend on our recruiting and the events we go to. Right. Um, I just see that as being some of the top level soccer in the States right now. Um, and also, uh, those type of kids are wanting, I think, the level and the commitment and the, you know, a lot of things that go into what is expected of them when they get here from a soccer standpoint. Right. So were you in the uh, at the Richmond event this past weekend? So unfortunately, I was at a wedding, so I couldn't go to ah. the Richmond event this weekend. I was okay. supposed to stay with some friends, but uh, I kind of forgot I had prior commitments. Okay. So <laughs> was- but regardless, you've been to event many events like that. And so... Oh, yeah. So I yeah. was at the prior event in Richmond a few mm-hmm. uh, months ago. We go uh, to the Florida event. We go. We'll be at ECNL Nationals in Greensboro in June. Right. Um, there was one in St. Louis. We went to one in Dallas. We went to as well. So right. we're we pretty much cover most of the regions that we talked about. Yeah. So like leading up to those from a recruit standpoint, I mean, that's kind of their time to make sure that they're on your radar. Or try to get on your radar. Um, 
you know, what kind of like if you were helping this kid out that we were just talking about, you know, how are you going to coach him through that process? Yeah, so I, I, I encourage all kids to, you know, reach out to the schools that are going to be attending events. Every, mm-hmm. every tournament will list college coaches attending. There's a list. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying you need to email every single one, but at least the ones that you have interest in remotely, you know, mm-hmm. send a quick email. And don't do it the day before because that's the day where coaches travel. You know, the way my schedule set up is, you know, the week before I start making my schedule based off of, you know, who I want to see and who's emailed me, right? It's a combination between the two. You know, when I go to an event, I want to see the the kids that play for teams in the regions that I just talked about. But if I do get an email from a kid from Chicago, and, you know, it fits in my schedule or his team's playing against a team from Birmingham or Atlanta. I'm going to make sure that I watch that kid way cl- more closely than every other kid on his team. Right. And, you know, that is valuable. But if you wait to the day of or the second game, say, hey, coach, I saw you. Pl- I saw you at our game. Things are coming. What do you think? You know, that's maybe too late. So right. reach out, I'd say, a week ahead of time. And. All information we talked about before, included in the email, what field you're playing on. If you're a goalkeeper, a lot of times goalies, especially in showcases, know, all right, I'll play the first half of this game, the second half of that game. You know, that's that's important because the coaches want to show up and be like, oh, man, well, I didn't see him play. Sure. So yeah. just be yeah. on top of it, which is not always the easiest thing. Right. Do you think that there's like a – so every coach has their process of, you know, leading up to an event of making decisions on their schedule and that sort of thing. So do you think there's like a sweet spot of when an email can actually hit your inbox, you know, sort of, so to speak, um, so that it's, it'll get on your to-do list, so to speak. Yeah. I'd say one week before one the week. event. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, sometimes too much, too far in advance. I'm not quite making my schedule and I kind of forget. I yeah. lose it on the depth chart of emails and then obviously, like I said, too late, then, you know, you might be not putting yeah. on that Excel spreadsheet. Right. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, let's talk about a little bit about um, kind of the differences. I've talked about this before with other coaches, but the differences in Division One, Division Two, Three, and then like there, there's not this huge discrepancy most of the time between like a, a D1 and a, and a top end D3 and, you know, that sort of thing. And like, it's just, it's difficult for a kid to know a lot of times where they fall in, in that pecking order. And um, so you were talking a little bit about like this kid, I keep going back to the original kid we were talking about mm-hmm. and, you know, just gauge the responses you get and and how have that influence your decision as to where you continue to to try to you know get responses and that sort of thing so i mean maybe just kind of help clarify and i don't know that you that it necessarily is clarifiable but you know the differences and you know help understand i'm getting to a question maybe um yeah no, i think I, we know I, what i'm saying but i know um, exactly what you're saying you know yeah. I think that there's good soccer being played at every level right. in college. You know, maybe 
there's more good soccer being played at the Division One level um, with. Um, and I say good soccer with, I think, quality players. You right, know, right. Not stylistically or any of that. Um, but from a level of, like, all right, quality of individual talent, you know, mm-hmm. there's probably more heavy heavy on the Division One world. But, you know, uh, I think it was 2017 where Pfeiffer, Division Two team, won the national championship. And Stanford won it as well. And Jeremy Gunn, the head coach at Stanford, he – was being interviewed and they said, how does it feel to be the best team in college soccer? And Jeremy Gunn stopped them. We said, we're not the best team in college soccer. Pfeiffer is. Oh, wow. um, and that year that Pfeiffer had like seven players from the Real Madrid Academy. Uh, <laughs> they were unbelievable. It was, yeah. it was crazy to watch their forward is in the MLS and you know, they're fantastic. So that's obviously a microcosm and a small sample size, but you know, there are some really, really good teams at every level. Right. I used to go to Amherst College, you know, before coming to Suwannee. And you know, when I was there, we were uh, number one team in the country in Division Three. You know, we scrimmaged Division One teams and you know, yeah. uh, beat up on them. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's finding what you want out of your experience, and you know, what is the driving force? If soccer is the driving force out of your college experience, that's all you want. Then Division Three might not be the best fit for you. If you are a pre-med major and you want to become a doctor, maybe, you know, Division Three is a better fit for you based off of your priorities. Yep. And there's no right or wrong. I come from a family of athletes. My dad played football at University of Maryland. My sister played volleyball at NC State. My brother played soccer at Louisville. And, you know, I was a Division Three guy. And now at Thanksgiving dinner – we always like argue about who had a better experience and I'm the only one that still plays soccer, you know, who is continuing obviously coaching and it's my career right. path. Right. You know, my, my dad can't walk. My sister doesn't want to play volleyball or look at one <laughs> and my brother can't stand soccer. So right. you know, ultimately, you know, what, you know, do you want? And maybe if they would have gone a different route, they had had different feelings about yeah. their respective sport. So, right. and I think that's a hard thing to do because, I tell a lot of my recruits, especially ones that are, you know, good players and they're getting division one opportunities and division two opportunities. I said, the hardest thing you're going to do is have to tell your friends and family that you're going to come to Swanee and over, over all those other places because they're going to ask you why. And, you right. know, and as long as you're prepared to answer that question, then you're, you're you know, but, you know, it's, 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 that's a, a stigma that not just, you know, the players do, but it's people. You know, everyone right. thinks of college athletics and as the hierarchy of Division One, Two, Three, NAIA, JUCO, and they couldn't be more wrong. There, you yeah. know, and there's a a number of reasons why they're wrong. But um, finding out what is the best for you, and if you can, if you can, and you can justify that, then you're doing it right. Yeah. Yeah, there is that stigma of, you know, I want to post on Instagram that I'm a D1 athlete or, you know, that sort of thing. And it's um doesn't guarantee your happiness for the mm. next four years. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, and there's there's a ton of kids in the portal right now. And, and you know, there's just we've talked a lot about that on here that, you know, you probably don't want to end up in the portal. Like you don't want to upend your life. Um just because you settled on a place or you got a great offer from a D1 school and and now you're, 
you're never going to play. You've realized you're not going to play and, and all of a sudden you're scrambling to find a, another place. So um, it just goes back to, to doing your homework initially and really understanding, you know, the patterns of, of the roster and, and who's on it and, and where you would fit in. Right. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a huge point of evaluation. I think those, and too often people don't want to ask those questions in the recruiting process. Players don't want to say, where do you see me on the roster? Right. You know, what's your honest evaluation? You know, you're recruiting me. That's great. You've offered me. That's great. Um, but you know, where am I on the depth chart? And if a coach can't answer that question, then I think that they don't, well, they probably can't answer that question. They just don't want to. And right. if they're, and if they're willing to answer that question and give you, you know, you're going to be the best player on our team next year, you know, well then maybe that's true. But I think that's something that recruits need to do is like, all right, this sounds great. looks great. You know, but you know, what's my future look like in this program? And, yeah. you know, that's something that is a hard thing to do because a lot of times you don't want to know the truth. Uh, but, you know, I, I tell our recruits, you know, and I, before they even have a chance to ask, I tell them. And it's because it sets a precedent so that if they do, you know, come in, you know, a month into the season and they wonder why they're not playing. It's like, well, we talked about this in your recruiting process. Right. And, you know, uh, or, you know, we, I, we had our, our best freshman this year, you know, he was a rookie of the year in the conference. And I told him, I was like, I think that you're going to see playing time for us. I can't guarantee anything besides that. But, you know, I think that you're going to be in a position right now that you are good enough to see minutes. And, you know, if you don't play for us, that's a good sign. But, you know, and he ended up being, you know, playing the second most minutes in our conference last year. So, oh, wow. yeah, he did all right. But, yeah. you know, I, I'm never going to – I'm personally not going to oversell. Um and, you know, I think that that's something that kids need to do. And I think that would help with the whole transfer uh, rate. You know, yeah. a couple of years ago, so men's soccer was the most transferred sport in college athletics. Is that right? I didn't know that. I don't know if it's still, but it was like four five years ago. Um, you know, the portal, you know, people love to complain about it. But I also think, you know, before the portal, coaches had too much power. And, you know, yeah. and if you made a decision to go to a school and you didn't like it, the coach could say no, you know, you know, and hold it. And, and, and then you have to set it, you know, eligibility. And I think that's really wrong. Uh, now it's swayed the power completely in the athlete's hands, which is not great. But, <laughs> you know, eventually it'll come back to the middle and, you know, we'll see how it goes. And But I do think that the portals in, you know, on paper, it's a good thing. Um, it's, right. it's not, it hasn't been great, um, you know, but it's also, I think it's, it's no different than what our society is like, you know, we've, we've come to a society that, you know, commitment and, you know, is, is ever changing, you know, you know, right. I can change how, what, what I want to do and with, with the wind and look at, you know, divorce rates and look at, you know, everything else. So we know yeah. why transfers are so high. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but if you, I mean, if you truly are just looking for the right place, then it just, you do have to do your research and you do, like you said, you have to ask tough questions. Um, and so let's go back to that kid again. I mean, so I, like as he's starting to interact with coaches down the line this fall, I mean, what questions are you going to be 
you know, what are his top five questions? I mean, need to avoid really broad ones, right? So, right. you know, specific and, and that sort of thing. So any question that you can answer yourself, don't ask. Oh, what was your record? You know, uh, you know, what conference are you in? Like I, those are the questions that's like, come on, buddy. You know, <laughs> right. and, 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 and in my opinion, so if you can answer the question yourself, don't ask it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would say, you know, good questions are, you know, where do you see me in the program? Right. Um, what are, you know, areas of improvement that I should be working on, you know, that would a better align me with your team style. And then that carries on to what is your playing style, you know, right. um, you know, and I, I don't like when, you know, when kids say, Oh, like what premier league team do you base your playing style off of? Or something like that. It's like, because yeah. yeah, like, I'm like, quite honest, we don't play like any premier league team, <laughs> uh, right. but you know, those type of questions that, that you don't know from your research, um, right. you know, you can ask, you know, what, you know, give me your ideal player from a, you know, personality, from a athletic ability, you know, let me like, you know, and then be even more specific, you know, in my position, you know, as a center back, you know, what's your ideal center back? Uh, and, you know, and go from there. So questions that make coaches think, I think are ones that I appreciate the most. And also, uh, once you have them, you know, open up a little bit, then they might be a little more honest with you about maybe who you are as a player. And maybe not questions that have been listed out for them that they're asking, you know. Um, That's exactly questions, right. Questions that they actually care about, you know, the answer. So Yeah. And then, like, you know, specifically for me at Swanee, you know, I love when kids ask questions about the academics. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, I tell guys, you know, if – you know, if you're trying to make soccer 365, it's not, this is not the right place for you. This isn't about, this is a balance. And our guys are unbelievable students. And, you know, there's a reason why a third of my team's pre-med and a third's pre-law is because, you know, they're, they're looking at the next 40 years of their life after college, you right. know, and, you know, they, they value that experience. And that's important to our program our team and our individuals. And we have to talk about that in the process because if our guys just want to come here and play soccer, it's not going to be a great fit. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone should look at, I mean, minus a very small percentage, right. Should look at the academic environment and how they fit in and that sort of thing. Um, oh, 100%. And, 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 you know, talk to, you know, if they're, if they get there on a visit, and they're talking to the other guys on the team and, you know, how difficult is it to be a student and a player at a, at a place and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, time balance and, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. I'm sure. Oh, Even, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a ton. I, yeah. uh, I mean, based on visits, you know, I tell all of our recruits, you know, talk to, you know, the captain and the guy who plays 90 minutes about their perspective on, the program, the coaching staff, you know, yeah. all that stuff. But more importantly, talk to, you know, the junior or the senior who's never played and, you yeah. know, and get their perspective on the program, you know, the coaching staff and 
so on and so forth, because it's really easy to be happy or in love with a, a program when you are the top dog. But yeah. to have those feelings, if you are towards the bottom of the barrel on paper, uh, you know, that their, their perspective is almost more important. And right. I think you get a, a better sign of where the program's at if you, you know, from those guys, because they, yeah. I don't want to say they have any skin in the game, but it's a little bit different perspective. Right. Um, how does, how does a kid determine if like his personality, his or her personality is going to fit with the coach's personality? You know what I mean? Like some coaches are rah, rah in your face. Um, then you have some that are, you know, way laid back or, or expect you to kind of figure it out and that sort of thing. You know, how do you, cause it's a very brief interaction in the grand scheme of things, right? You know, you're, you're making this decision based on a few interactions that you're going to be there for four or five years. Right. So, um, what are some strategies that you can think of? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here where, uh, no, that's a great question. So, yeah. um, I mean, from the athlete perspective, that's a question they need to ask the coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what type of coach are you? You know, right. are you a guy that, you know, is coach during practice, sits down in his, in his chair during games? Or are yeah. you yelling and running across the field and throwing your hat? You know, right. and, you know, trust me, I've been probably on every part of that spectrum as a coach, you know. <laughs> but, <Sure. laughs> you know, I think that's a question a player needs to ask because, you know, I know personally I was someone that, I love to be coached and yelled at and my younger brother who was a way better soccer player than me. All he needed was to tell how great he was and be coddled. And we were so different as, as, as players. Right. So that um, is an important question because I know some players thrive in certain environments and some, you know, don't. Right. Um, so if a player asks that question, secondly, you know, I implore you to watch, watch games. And right. now with, um, technology every team live streams their games you know for example here at Sewanee our games are archived you can go back and watch our last you know six years of games on our website and right. you know I, I encourage you to watch the game and get an idea of what the level's like and the players and the style but also you can watch how the coach interacts with the team and the referees right. just from this film so right. you can kind of kill two birds with one stone and that should be something that is part of your decision making process I don't know if it should be the biggest deciding factor, but right. I, that, that should be something that you're looking at. From yeah. a coaching perspective, uh, I like to talk to club and high school coaches, not and get not to get their necessarily evaluation of the player from a quality level. Sometimes I do, especially if I trust that coach. Uh, but what I do ask them is about the characteristics of the, that. Yeah. You know, is he coachable? Does he you know what you know? Is he you know, how does he interact with the team? Is he positive? You know, those things are what I talk to club and high school coaches. And heck, even if they list teachers, you know, how do they, you know, their high school teachers think about them, you know, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so think about like you're out there on the recruiting trail, so to speak, and you're watching a match and, you know, you have an interest in a kid and I'm sure some specific examples are going to pop in your head. So, on one side, like what's what's coming to mind that's like been a real big turnoff for you? Um, just from a kid on the field, you know, what what's what are some of the things that you've observed that you're like, 
close your notebook and you move on kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so just this past week, right. I was recruiting at a high school event, high school tournament here in Tennessee and watching this team play. Um, and they have a player who's fantastic, really good player. And on the ball is great. Off the ball is kind of lazy. But as a coach, you're like, you know what? Like, he needs to be coached up a little bit, maybe. Demanded from those things. Um, but as I watch the game, I see how he interacts with his, his teammates. Yeah. I'm like, uh, he's kind of negative. He's kind of just grumpy. And, you know, then I watch. He scores a goal, right? Uh, he runs past his teammates, runs to the crowd, right? Flaunts, does like the Cristiano Ronaldo celebration. Right. It's like, and I'm like, all right, you know. That's not the end of the world. Um, and but I'm like, it's starting to add up though. Like, you know, and then yeah. uh, I'm watching, you know, his team scores again. His whole team celebrates together. He stands there, walks back to midfield by himself. Um, yeah. And then he gets subbed out of the game for getting a yellow card for pushing a kid in the opposing team. Then he has words with his coach, throws a water ball against the fence. And I'm like, all right, there, there's some issues with this player that I'm not willing to you know, uh, go after the juice doesn't work the squeeze in my opinion. Right. And you know, those things. Um, but right. inversely, like I go to a game and, you know, I usually sit and I listen, you know, I want to find the guys that are talking, that are communicating, that are giving direction, you know, generals on the field. And, you know, if you can get, you know, those type of players and, you know, those natural leaders that I think is, one thing that will definitely separate you from a lot of our recruits or other, other players is just being very, very vocal. Um, and what you're saying, not just yelling and screaming, but are you, are you positive? You're encouraging. Are you, you know, giving good information and direction? Those things can, uh, absolutely help. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of stuff that you, it's not that you can't teach it, but you've hoped that they've matured enough to, to be good teammates and, and be good leaders and and that sort of thing and not be, you know, a detriment like that first kid you were talking about. It sounds like he'd be a real pain in the butt to play with. But uh. I know. And he <laughs> might be the best player in the state of Tennessee right now. And... <laughs> so somebody will take a chance on him, right? Oh, I mean... 100%. I, and I think he's high-end uh, Division One caliber yeah. player. Gotcha. Um, so it, it does make it probably a little bit easier knowing that he's probably – above my pay grade from a player perspective. Right. But also like someone's probably going to become very frustrated as well. Or, I mean, does he go to a place where he's not the big fish, you know, in the pond anymore and he kind of gets a little serving of humble pie. Does that change him? You think in the long run or, you know, I, I tell everyone, you know, that our team is like a high speed train. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the beginning of the season, right, the train stops, guys get on board, and we take off. And if you're not, you know, one of us, right, you get left at the station. And I feel that you can, you know, manipulate to the good some players, um, but a lot of times it's really hard to change yeah. someone's DNA. Right. And you are who you are. Yeah, and I think people would like to say, like, you know, I think it's naive for a coach, but oh yeah, I, I'll 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 fix this kid. 
you know, right. I'll, I'll, I'll be the, the saving grace here. And unfortunately, I think that's really hard to do. Right. And my dad was a football coach and he'd always say potential gets coaches fired. And that's something I've, I've taken to heart. And yep. it's like, I, I'm not recruiting players strictly off their potential. Right. Because of why aren't they living up to that potential currently? Right. And it's, uh, uh, and then inversely, I want to find guys that are overachievers. You know, they're, they're making the best what they have. And those type right. of guys you can, you can live with. Right. Yeah. I mean, you guys have, you guys as coaches have way too much at risk to, I mean, if you're not winning, if you're not being successful, then your, your job is in jeopardy. So, you know, you want to bring in kids that help support the mission. So, um, I mean, as a recruit, you have to be mindful of that with your behavior, right? I mean, you can't can't exhibit something. And and Norris said it. Uh, Chris Norris, who's been on here, said it. He's like, someone's always watching, you know. And um, I'm sure you've seen cases of where kids probably thought they weren't being watched, and they were, and and uh, you know, did something they shouldn't have. There, that wasn't a good example of of. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say that they no, probably didn't want seen, you know, it's, um, it's exactly right. With technology nowadays, it's really hard to get away with anything. Um, and you know, if our jobs are, you know, on the line all the time, you know, I, I tell my guys, you know, my job's a turn, you know, what decisions you as these 18 to 22 year olds make on a Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. And I need to make sure that the guys that we invite into this program, into our family, are going to think about their actions and understand there's repercussions for those actions. Um, and, you know, think about, you know, Coach Tony, you know, when when they're making decisions, <laughs> you know, ultimately. Right. Because that's the unfortunate side of college athletics. If a, a math major gets arrested, you know, they're, they're not firing the head of the math department. but right. If the soccer player does, who is also a math major, well, then the soccer coach is held liable. And that's not fair, but that's the way it is. And yeah. we have to be very, very, you know, cognizant of those things. Right. Um, and it starts with the recruiting process. And it, and then hopefully that you can also make them a better person while they're, while they're with you. But I think it's much easier to weed them out throughout the process. And that's why when, when visits occur... I tell our guys as much as they're evaluating our Swanee, our program, we're evaluating you. And yeah. I, all of our recruits is like, you know, our team is like the UN security council, you know, one veto and you're out. And, you know, all I need is one player to come back and say, coach, you know what? I didn't really like what he did here, what he said. Right. And we were like, all right, fair enough. And uh, an example of that, we played, we had a kid from Alabama come, years ago great player i was super high on him and our players came back like coach no like you know and i was like man like i i really wanted to like i was like oh man like you guys don't realize how much better than he is than most of our players <laughs> All right go into a school um and we play against him we lose one nothing he scores the the game winning goal and i'm sitting there shaking my head you know so upset and then Fast forward less than two months later, still during the season, coach gets fired from the team, player gets kicked off the team, 
uh, everything's blown up. So, you know, I look back on that. It's like, you know what? That's why, you know, yeah. and, you know, it's like, all right, you got to trust your gut uh, or at least trust your players. So yeah. those things, you know, we might have lost the battle, but hopefully won the war. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, it's a close call. <laughs> uh, trust me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I it's uh, it's such a roll of the dice with some kids. So like, but you have such as I mean, I don't know how many emails you get through the year, but it's got to be, you know, thousands. And like you, you, you have to, you are looking for reasons to eliminate a kid in a lot of kids, you know, a lot of ways. So don't shoot yourself in the foot is the message here by being kind of a, a doofus, so to speak. That's absolutely you know? right. You know, put yourself in the most positive light. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if you think that, is this going to make me better? You know, if the answer is no, right. it's, you know, then don't do it. Right. You know, if yeah. It's questionable. Then it's not, help, it's not making you better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, what other good stories you got? I'm oh, sure you've man. seen some uh, some crazy stuff out there. Parents. Uh, well, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, you know, parents are part of the recruiting process, for better or for worse. Yeah. You know, when I love doing Zoom calls with recruits and in, including the parents, because especially here at Suwannee, you know, usually, you know, most places, but how expensive Swanee is parents are footing the bill for education most of the time. So to exclude them from this process is not fair, but right. You know, so I really do appreciate when parents are on the call and they, they ask you know, legitimate questions. But the other thing is, you know, you go to events, high school games, you know, club tournaments, yeah. and you hear a parent on the sidelines and in their, you know, acting a fool, you know, I, I do like to ask usually the person, the parent who's handing out the flyers, like, all right, whose players, who's, you know, what number is his kid or right. her kid? And it's like, all right, oh, that's good to know because, you know, parents that are that way a lot of times for their club team or the same way if they're high school or in, in college program and become issues. Yeah. Um, you know, I love sending an email out the first, you know, day of August right before preseason and say, parents, can't wait, you know, returning parents, welcome back, new guy, new parents, you know, welcome to the team, can't wait to coach your sons, you know, and basically say, when it comes to the health and well-being of your son, I want to be, you know, this is my cell phone number, call me, text me, anytime. Right. Everything else, you know, your son's a, a, a grown man, you know, I'll have all those conversations with him. And, right. you know, and it, it actually has worked out fairly well. And I've probably only had to have those conversations with parents maybe you know less than a handful of times in the 10 years i've been at swanee so it's it's definitely helped but it is uh it's something that again you know we tell kids you have to put yourself in the best light and sometimes parents don't realize that what they do also affects the recruitability of their son or daughter right yeah i mean they there's definitely that that line though right where they cross over and they're 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 creating this scenario where the kid isn't independent enough, and you're then it creates this doubt in your head whether or not they'll thrive in your environment, right? I mean, so they just have to be they have to be mindful of of crossing that line, so to speak. Um, I'm sure you've seen that countless times. Oh, there's no know. doubt, especially like when 
I'll get an email and it's from the parent's email address. I yeah. understand, you know, kids are busy. And, right. But, you know, the same kid who can't write an email, maybe the same kid is oversleeping practice. You know, right. you know there, there, there is a lot to say for someone who's proactive, mature, and responsible in the, in the process. Yeah. I, I'll give you an example. We had a kid, his name was Zach Shannara, graduates this year. He's using his fifth year. He's going to college Charleston. Um, but, you know, he was a first, second team All-American this year. Uh, fantastic player. Marginal recruit for me. And at a time where, you know, we weren't the best program in the world, you know, we we're fighting to be 500 and still wasn't super high on our list. But he came in, you know, for his in-person uh, visit and he blew us away. It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Prepared, you know, asked the right questions, you know, came into our office and I invited his parents to come in too. He said, no, like, I want to do this conversation on my own. And, you know, and it was just like unbelievable. And I was like, I, you know, from a kid that was maybe going to get an offer eventually, if our top guy said no, you know, I gave him the offer that day. I was like, you know, we, we want you, man. You know, and fast forward, for, he was all conference as a freshman. Uh, COVID hit as a sophomore. He tore his ACL the first day of his junior year. Comes back, senior year was, you know, second team All-American. Um, and, you know, he's a a success story, you know, completely. And his maturity was probably the biggest factor in his recruitment. So right. those things can add to your stock. There's no doubt about it. If he wasn't nearly as mature as he is, we mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have offered him. He would probably went to one of our competitors and kicked our butt for four years. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I was thinking before you told that story about like, um, uh, like the way a kid interacts with his parents, you're, you're also probably watching that, you know, um, I thought that that's where you're going to go with that story when you said he didn't want his parents in the, in the meeting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you definitely watch, you know, how, what they say to their mom and dad and, and, and how they interact and that sort of thing, you know, just that's the way they're going to treat you. It's, it's exactly right. You have to look into everything. And him leaving his parents out of the conversation to show to how, you know, he didn't need someone to, you know, lead him. You know, he was right. he was prepared. And again, I talking out both sides of my mouth because I do encourage parents to be in the conversation. Yeah. But yeah. he was, you know, pretty dead set on what he wanted, and um, his parents were fine with it. So, yeah, but yeah, it's it, it, it's you look at everything. You know how they, you know, when their siblings are at games, how they treat them, and if, uh, yeah. you know parents are and i mean what, what are they doing after games are they picking up the trash and organizing the balls carrying the coach's stuff or are they right. taking off and you know are you know when when teams are talking at halftime after games are they focused or they haven't you know you know eye contact with their coach or are they drifting off and can't wait to go get lunch you know th th those things are they're valuable right yeah you don't want an eye roller or uh, exactly right like yeah. Um, yeah. It's, um, there's a lot to think of, you know, as a recruit, but it, it also is just kind of, you know, how you, the habits that you've created for yourself, you know, and um, one thing I was thinking about earlier was, you know, parents, 
sometime I'm a parent, so I, I'm speaking from a place of authority here. Um, you, uh, you, they seem to a lot of, in a lot of cases, be afraid to let their kids fail. And, um, I think that's a lot of times why they're the ones reaching out to coaches because they don't want a kid to write an email that they wouldn't have written themselves, you know, that kind of thing. So it's the independence is probably the message that wants to be, that they, that needs to be sent rather than just writing the perfect email. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, I think it's okay if your parents have proofread it. Right. right, right. You know, I, I, I will say that, you know, if you send an email with a ton of grammatical errors, it second guesses my, you know, right. thought on whether or not you can hack it academically here at Swanee. Right. Um, but, you know, I'd rather see, yeah, I'd rather see a spelling mistake from your email and knowing that it was written by a high school junior than, right. you know, a parent who's, you know, an English professor, you know, like, right, right. it's, you know, it, that absolutely means more to me. And, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, we, we, we created this, you know, bulldozer mentality for parents to make their lives for their kids as easy as it can. And, right. you know, I think sports are probably one of the few places now where kids can fail. And, you know, and parents don't have any control over it, essentially. You know, yeah. they're paying off the referees. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, uh, it is important. You know, I think because obviously look at our jobs, you know, we need kids that can handle adversity, that can handle, you know, some – you know, tough circumstances and the recruiting process is one of them. And, yeah. you know, I, we definitely, you know, in our recruiting, you know, we took 11 incoming freshmen, but nine of them applied early decision. So most of our incoming class committed to Suwanee in August. And, you know, we want, we want kids that want to be at Suwanee. So, you know, kids that, you know, they came to our camp in August. We had really good, you know, you know, experience with them soccer wise. We knew their academics were strong. We liked their personalities. We worked with them. And then, you know, the next thing is, you know, are you willing to make that decision? Do you want how bad do you want to be here? And if you really want to be here, you know, I'm more likely to extend an offer. If you're, you know, shopping around, you know, a dozen schools and you're like, oh, I don't know. Well, then it might not be the best fit. So um, that's another thing to think about. You know, if, if you are maybe a marginal kid or, or a player, you're more likely to get an offer if you are willing to commit earlier. Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, you know, most, you know, most things, right? Um, you know, so it's, it, it is, if, you know, unless you're really, really good, and it's hard to get an offer late. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people think the opposite. You know, they're, they're waiting around, waiting around for, you know, for Indiana or Maryland to give them a call. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen. No, no, probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so you and I got connected by Tommy Denuso, the head coach at uh, Hampton, Sydney. Um, have you guys played each other? When's this going to happen? So we actually were playing next fall. Oh, cool. Yeah. Are, you, are you playing there or are you playing in Farmville? We're playing in Farmville. So okay. I, I was brilliant and I decided that we we're going to play WNL on Friday and then play Hampton Sydney on a Sunday. So n a nice, brutal weekend for us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I hope decided... it, Yeah. It's an exercise in resilience and grit there, huh? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, WNL probably be a top 10 program uh, next year, if not higher. And mm-hmm. then Hampton Sydney, I think, you know, they've, they're recruiting the last two years have been some of the best in Division Three. They're, they're doing a great job. And mm-hmm. um, you saw it with their freshman class this year. And their next, I, I know a lot of their guys for next year, and they're going to be fantastic. So, yeah, I think two top or the teams in the region. And then and next season playing those guys. And then we open up against Gettysburg. They're coming to us. They'll be a top 25 team. Uh, so we're playing our non-conference schedule will be one of the top in the region for sure. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm we'll have to spin down and see you guys next, play. Next, next year, I'll let you know if it was a good idea or not. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, well, I can't thank you enough. I mean, this has been, this has been fun and, and insightful. So, um, yeah, well, uh, I have to do this again for sure. Uh, maybe get you and Tommy on. At yeah, the same absolutely. Time. Anytime. Um, more than happy to talk soccer with yeah. you. Yeah, cool. Um, well, thank you. Uh, I'm just going to hit stop. Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. I hope you found it informative and enjoyable. Thank you for sharing and subscribing to the podcast and helping it grow. Please keep sending questions and comments. I enjoy the feedback and always get your questions answered by my guests. Don't forget to check out Matchplay on social media as well. See you on the trail.